0: This is The A. am Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> Happy 2021 to everyone who's uh, listening or watching on YouTube or on the podcast app. The A is, as always, uh, sponsored by Central Works New Play Theater, headed up by Gary Graves and Jan Sleifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. And hey. we, have a, we have a fantastic guest, Jim Kleinman. He is the, I, want, I think you are the artistic director of San Francisco Playground. Is that right?
1: Yeah, of Playground. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And uh, San Francisco Playground, I pulled this off of the, uh, of the website. Hold on for just a second. Uh, bad, bad podcaster, bad podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it disappeared. There we go. Uh, Playground is a leading playwright incubator and theater community hub with deep commitments to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Playground's mission is to support development of significant local voices for the theater, helping to launch these writers onto the national scene. And you guys have done a fantastic job. It's not just here in the Bay Area, but online, you have a presence throughout California. I think you have a different, uh, they, I mean, there's a presence in Los Angeles Los and Angeles. other places yep. right? too, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, yes.
0: No, it's awesome, it's, it's fantastic. We'll talk more about uh, what's you know all about Playground and all about you. Um, I'll open it to both of you. Happy twenty twenty one! And how did you guys enjoy the holiday season? And how's your week been?
1: Yeah, happy uh, new year. <laughs> <laughs> it's been what the heck?
2: Um, something's bouncing. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just so happy. I think as we all are to see twenty twenty go away. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm I'm ready for whatever. I'm just coming. It's so funny. I was going to have to get in touch with Jim anyway. Um. So I got in and I had a rehearsal this morning at the play space and I got in. And I turned off the alarm and I felt really good about it. And then we took a break and my actor walked down the hall to go to the bathroom and suddenly the alarm was going off again. So I go out and I turn off the alarm again. And I'm like, does it just reset? Is that what's happening? I'm
1: sure someone, you guys must have been, <laughs> someone must have been there and they like they never they never see that
0: you're in. the. Yeah, you have a you have a lady who uh, is sort of the um, the tech person there. I forgot her name.
1: Uh, well, uh, we've got Brittany Mellerson, who's our resident lighting designer, and and Brittany has done a lot of work to make the play space, like, really good space for broadcast. Um, Jackie Bugler has not, uh, hasn't been over there in a bit, but uh, she's our production manager. and ah. She's got her first child, who is now, I'm just trying to think, it's... Uh, James is three months old, so she she's still on a little bit of a break, but we're looking
0: forward to her coming back. Oh, that's magnificent. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think I no. was her that uh because I remember we I was last there physically at the uh the space when um Lisa Kong, she uh did her piece, uh the Emeryville Horror. And yeah. was that a year? No, that was two years ago. See, time flies. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful you know, Go ahead.
2: No, I was just gonna say, well, I was there this morning and it's weird to be Working in a space where there's nobody, you walk in. There's nobody. You walk into the office. There's nobody, and you finish up, and you're like, okay, just make sure all the doors are closed, <laughs> Turned everything off. <laughs> we're out of here.
0: Yeah, I didn't think there would be any physical. I mean, were you in rehearsal? I mean, um, cause yes, everything- I'm
2: working on a solo piece for afro Solo, and he still doesn't have a, a launch date. So, um, so I was actually recording, and it's looking like more of the pieces are going to for this this little app solo presentation more pieces are going to be um recorded at the play space oh nice <laughs> which i think is like okay yay i'm you know i was just happy that i you know one of the benefits of covid is hey is there anybody using your space right now oh good can i
0: use it <laughs> And of course, they want to make sure that you don't have a lot of folks there. You're not holding some sort of a well, rave party. It was me and
2: one person. And I was—we were both masked until he performed, and then he took his mask off to perform. I stayed masked the whole time.
0: Yeah, you know, I as we've come to the end of 2020, it just occurred to me. Not only is this the end of 2020, but it's the end of of the uh, the the decade. Of the twenties, and I'll right. I, I usually do it. The teens, yeah, yeah, exactly. At the end of the teens, and I usually do a journal entry to say, you know, like what did the uh, the decade mean to me? What did the year mean to me? Mm. Um, maybe I, I'll throw this to you, Jim. I mean, what question. did you know? What did the um? I mean, what did twenty twenty mean to you? I mean, of course, we had to sort of survive, but also yeah. the the teens. What did the teens mean? I mean, was it good for you? Was it good for playground?
1: Yeah, I mean, the teens have been. I mean, overall, and even looking at 2020, which has been one of the most challenging years, this has really been an amazing decade, certainly for Playground. Um, We're looking at the fact that in the the 10-year period from 2010 to 2020, uh, we launched Playground LA, uh, our first expansion, um, and we've now, we're just in our ninth season, so we haven't even gotten our full 10 years there. Um, we, uh, we, we took over what was the Thick House Theater, uh, and turned that into Potrero Stage, which has become such an amazing home for Playground and so many other theater companies. Um, and, and I think we've really seen a, a huge growth in, in our, uh, play development programs. This, this same decade was the period in which Playground started shifting from co-productions with, partner theaters outside of our space because we didn't have our own theater to right. producing our work often still in partnership but doing our work in our theater space. And so um, I'm looking at you know a, a whole period of development where we're not only commissioning and developing plays but now starting to produce them um, at Petrero stage. And that's been really exciting.
0: No, that's fantastic. I didn't realize that Playground really only was born. I guess was two thousand nine or twenty eleven. Well, so uh, no, no,
2: no. Playground
0: Playground goes back to nineteen ninety four. Oh wow! Okay, I didn't yeah,
1: know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We just we just marked our twenty fifth anniversary uh, a little over a year ago, and uh, we're now in year twenty seven. Um, but it's been a long journey. But you know, we we have always been a nomadic theater company, and uh, and so having a, a space that we can manage. Yeah.
0: So this is your ninth year in the space, is that right? Well, so you know, we, we've no, been at,
1: we've been at, at Thick House, uh, we were there since 2008. Um, yeah. And then we took it over in 2015, renovated it, and opened it up as Petrero Stage in January, 2017. So we're just now finishing our fourth year in the theater uh, as Petrero Stage, but we've been there for a while. Um, as has Crowded Fire and Golden Thread and, and Clara's Foundation, you know. But the, the period of Patrillo stage is only now just uh, in our we're going into our fifth year. Um, so it's you know this was a this was a pretty significant decade for us. And and then even looking at the last year, I mean, 2020, really big challenges. We see our theater closed. We can't get together in person. Um, uh, contributions are decimated. Uh, ticket revenue is gone. But we also then were one of the first theater companies in the country to shift completely online. And we launched the Playground Zoom Fest, which ends up being the largest New Works Festival in the country back in May and June. And we end up reaching over 8,000 households in a six week New Works Festival, which is kind of just an amazing journey for us. A lot of beautiful work being created. and artists getting paid to do what they love. So, you know, I, I look back and sort of even 2020, which was so challenging, um, there's so many sweet moments still and and powerful moments of creativity. Um, I can't sort of look at that only as a negative. Um, so yeah, my hope of course is that, you know, 2021, we have a lot to look forward to. We certainly want to get back to our theater, but uh, We've, we've got a lot to live up to, I think, in terms of what we've just done the last 10 years and how to make sure we we can go further. And there's certainly lots of good work to still do. I mean, that's the thing is, I think when we look at the work that we were doing around equity, um, the work that we were doing around uplifting uh, voices from historically marginalized communities, that work was was really sort of coming to a fore at the end of, of this decade. And And so now I sort of feel like This is another decade to really sort of keep focusing on that work and and trying to sort of make sure that what we're doing is is reaching the, the broader theater community.
0: Yeah, I think you guys, uh, Playground has done an excellent job making the transition. I think a lot of theaters have made the transition into Zoom, but you guys did it quicker, and I think almost seamlessly. I mean, it seemed to me, I mean, I remember being a part of... It's been a
2: big learning curve. It's been a big learning curve, but,
0: you know, others have been slower at it than most, you know, like just figuring out what in Zoom and figuring out how to do the backgrounds, you know, the technical stuff. And Mm -hmm. I feel that Playground sort of mastered it a lot quicker than others. Norman, what, uh, what what did 2020 mean to you, and what did the last decade mean to you
2: well i mean i am in my fifth year of marriage my fifth anniversary is in a couple of weeks right on so that was a huge transition in my life and um uh, you know and i cut my hair at the time so people see pictures popping up on facebook memories and saying oh god i remember your afro and i'm like i remember my afro too it's it's still there it's just all inside now it, you know like one of those dolls, you have to push the button in the back and twist it and you <laughs> it, it. all come back out. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm you know, and I'm being grayer and I'm honestly just sort of thinking about what is that next phase, but I'm not I'm not some eager young person, like I'm not, you know, I'm never gonna go to the Olympics. That's not gonna happen. But there are a lot of things that can happen for an older artist, and I'm looking forward to seeing those happen. So it's been, you know, the decade is huge because I'm trying to think 20 Oh, 2010 was, um, right after we did, um, Richard Wright project.
0: Yeah. Before the dream.
2: Um, and that was a horrible year. I was, uh, the managing director for the noodle factory, this new performance space in West Oakland and in 2008, the economy sort of tanked, and it took about a year, but it kind of crumbled underneath. So I started 2010 with them declaring bankruptcy, had not paid me for four months. I scrambled to try and make a living. And by the end of the year, I was looking at all the different things I'd done. And what I did was, what I've often done in my life was just to say, wow, I'm not getting the thing I think I want. What would I like to be doing? I don't really see you know, any easy options What would I like to be doing? And I start asking about that. And the next thing I know, that's what I'm doing. I fill my plays up with a bunch of little things. So, you know, now I'm at the point where I'm like, well, what's next? And it's funny when you hear things like Theater First is looking for, you know, a new artistic director. And I've had more than one person forward me the email. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm not. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm still looking to have a creative voice, but, you know, I'm trying to do it in new ways. So this last year has been a great opportunity to not to take off all the pressure of what am I going to do and instead just kind of kick back and go, OK, well, I don't need to do anything. The way things are falling out, I'm actually OK and things are being taken care of. So, again, what do I want to do? <laughs> and I wouldn't have taken the time for it if it hadn't been for COVID. Yay, COVID.
0: <laughs> yeah it's interesting i think within you know when people deal with adversity many ways some you know are chafe at it and some are like uh, you know why is this happening and some are like hey listen this is we need to i need to make an adaptation i need to make a change and so you know i think that's sort of the way of evolution you know uh those who survive make yeah. the change whether it be an organization or a person and those who re, you know who resist the change you know they, they can very easily die out
2: i think well, what the, about you what about you, well, how, 20, did you how did the, you get through the holidays <laughs> mr isolation
0: uh well hey i mean um a lot of uh as you probably uh, just earlier today i posted up my uh, other podcast i have a uh, faith i redid revitalized the faith podcast yeah. and uh that's already via youtube has gotten uh, 22 new uh, viewers or new subscribers, so that yeah. sort of jumped off almost immediately. But uh, the 20, when I think back to the decade, I mean, um, really, the middle of the decade uh, is, is when I sort of reinvented myself as sort of a writer. I've always wanted to write, but really producing and really taking it seriously was something. And I really have you to thank, Norman, because you know, after doing before the dream, that sort of put a proverbial seed in my I don't know creative soul. So in 2015, the middle of that decade, I wrote Foreman in Paris and produced it and actually got people to, you know, to see me in, in a sort of a different light. I think as artists, we look at ourselves and say, I am perceived based upon what someone else's image is. You know, we take a script, we are involved in a production, or we're involved in a company, and all of a sudden we are put into that particular box. And maybe you're comfortable in that box. Or maybe right. you'll say, you know what, this is not really who I am. But who takes that decision? It's 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 you. You have to take that decision. And so I think that, you know, as as we as artists, if we look at ourselves as a. Um, as a company, I mean, as 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 um, what am I trying to say? If, if you uh, as a business, that's what I'm trying to say. If you look uh, at yourself as a business and say, hey, listen, I need to market myself and not have not be marketed through another, you know, take more responsibility. Then you have more control. You know, you can control where you're going and that's the lesson that i learned in this decade and you know and of course 2017 we started the yay and three years later four years later we're sponsored Um, and you know we have i think four thousand five thousand downloads and you know we're doing really really well i had no idea that it would grow as much as it has and now you know with 2020 we're sort of forced to go on to youtube is something that I really did not want to do because I know. We,
2: we so fought it, <laughs> didn't we?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, audio wise, you can't control the audio and you can't control the bandwidth and all that stuff. But so far, it's been it's been, you know, we've done really, really well. Um, I don't have a lot of current events. Um, well, Diane uh, Fe- New Year. You, well, I know <laughs> Diane Feinstein, you know, there's been a lot of talk that, you know, maybe she should retire, that, she, you know, she's losing her faculties or whatever. I don't know if we have any thoughts about that um I,
2: i've been wanting her gone a long time oh you're,
0: you're not happy with her huh
2: i i didn't i don't <laughs> i have voted for her because she runs against horrible people sometimes but if she's not running against somebody horrible i tend not to vote for her i yeah. don't like her I, and you know and she's had a long run like her or don't yes. like her you yeah. know i really wish congress would start thinking wow i hit 70 maybe I should think about stepping down and more importantly, maybe I should think about who's going to replace me.
1: Yeah. Well, That's the exciting thing is like, what's the opportunity coming up here when Mm -hmm. she does, I I don't know when she'll, she'll, you know, when her term ends or when she steps down, but, but I do think it's really exciting to think about who will come next. Just, just as they were sort of having to deal with replacing her, uh, replacing Kamala Harris early with, you know, for a two year term, um, but who 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 comes next as the Senate reps for, for California?
0: Yeah, Jim. Jim, here's a question for you. I mean, I have a bunch of other things, but really, just the overall question. I mean, uh, you know, we we're two weeks away from you know dealing, not dealing with Trump, and I'm, I'll be so happy when I can stop looking at my phone and seeing these you know these tweets or you know these push notifications about what Trump has done really really crazy. It'll be nice to have a sense of normalcy. But um, how have you survived? I guess you know the Trump uh, era and you know do you are you optimistic about the future are you are you there's a new strain of covid 19 uh that's popped up in colorado and in la and i think even in florida yeah, so yeah. are you more yeah. optimistic or pessimistic or how, how do you feel about 2021
1: no know, i mean I'm, I'm i'm definitely optimistic for for what's coming up i mean i think we're, we're we're on some level we're returning a little bit toward normalcy but i think we're also it's really clear that we're not going to go back to what was before. We can't go back to what was before. Um, there's a lot of change needed, and so I'm I'm optimistic about the conversations that were were started. Uh, you know, have obviously been going on for decades, but really started in earnest in 2020. Um, I'm hoping that those will continue and that we're going to just sort of keep pushing for for change um, on the government level. I see I see that already happening. The cabinet that Biden's putting together looks more like um, the United States, the America that that yes, more diverse,
0: more you know, far than, more diverse. Yeah,
1: yeah, than 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 any we've seen before. Um, uh, I think that when people are talking about the choices, the choices of who represents us, what plays you put on, who writes those plays, who has the right to tell certain stories, you know, who's on stage, who who you know who do we want on stage? How can we support that? We're we're asking a lot of really good questions. So. I look forward to 2021 and, and the fact that it probably will, you know, be, um, you know, we're, we're hoping to see people get back into theaters at some point in this year. Uh, obviously a lot of that's going to depend on the vaccination uh, process, but um, no, I'm, I'm uh, I, what, what's the term? I guess I'm bullish. I'm bullish on, uh, on 20, on 2021. A- and at the same time, I, I think I'm also realistic. There's, there's, um, you know, there's a lot of hurt, a lot of, Pain, uh, a lot of challenges still to be overcome. I'm I'm worried right now about people who are going hungry right now. I'm worried about people who, um, you know, don't have a place to live. I'm worried about you know people who feel like they don't have access to a job. Um, we've we've got a lot to do to heal as a community, and uh, let let's pull together.
0: Yeah, no, well said, well said, Jim. One quick question to you, Norman, before we jump into an origin story with Jim and also with Playground. As an actor or as a creative, as a director or whatever, how do you plan? Because we say, you know, we're gonna be wearing these masks, hopefully until I think Gavin Newsom said, probably realistically, actually, I think it was Fauci who said, maybe not until the fall. So as an actor and as a director, as a creative, how do you plan for a future that may have theaters opening up or may not? I mean, how do you, how do you navigate 2021? Because I know that you Whoa. plan for jobs ahead.
2: Yeah, well, you have to try and think of it. The nice thing about theater is it's, you know, you've got, um, you're not going to decide today that you're doing a production. If you decide today you're going to do a production, that production is not happening even under normal circumstances before summer at the earliest, fall realistically. Um, So under these conditions, you know, and realistically, so if you're trying to talk about putting up a project right, you're talking about it a year or two years out. That's just the reality of it. So for me, part of it is going, well, what little projects can I put together between now and that time? But hey, here's the opportunity to start talking to people about what happens, how are we going to re-enter, you know, the world together, <laughs> gathering, um, and what ideas do I have that I want to share? Um, what's been great is I... I'm not sure if I met Jim back in the traveling Jewish theaters days, but I was around then. And I remember the space and I remember especially when they took over and built out that beautiful little what is now Z below. Um, And then I started getting involved with Playground off and on. Jim's vision. So when you said we had Jim as a guest, I was like, that is incredible because... The kinds of questions I want to ask about what are we doing and what can we do are the kinds of questions that seem to be on Jim's mind. So I have found working with Playground is always that there's the challenge of pushing the boundaries. You know, what you can and can't do, what you're supposed to do. um, But to do it creatively. So you've got actors with scripts in hand. well, that looks really dumb when everybody is doing this the whole time. Mm. You know, it looks horrible. So how can you do that and be more creative about it? That was like the first hurdle when we suddenly went at remote with everybody remote. And the first thing Jim said is there are some interesting possibilities that we can add into this mix. And the first thing he did was hire somebody who was actually technically proficient to talk to directors and to support actors And to start to bring those elements in. You can't ask an actor to have the right sound. You know, it'd be nice if they do, but if they don't, what are you going to do? And instead of seeing these as liabilities and limitations, saying, how can we still be creative? That has been an amazing education. So I love that we're getting to bring this conversation back to Jim, because... (laughs) I definitely think about all of this in a different... I don't want to teach. I didn't want to teach Zoom. And I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. I had to check in with some people. We normally do a spring workshop. And I was going to say, I don't think it's a good idea. Those poor kids are on Zoom all week. Let's let them have a weekend off. And the next thing that was going to come out of my mouth was, because I don't really know what we would do. And before I could say it, I already had three ideas. And one of them I'm in love with. So I'm like, oh... Actually, yes, we can definitely do one day. I think one day would be I can give these people something that would be worth their time working in this medium. And I would never have pushed myself to think that way 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, Nels well said. And I'm also glad that, you know, we have you on Jim and Playground, you know, Playground has been really just fantastic for actors, for writers, for creatives. It's really a place to work out, you know, let's say you have a piece that may not be all flushed out or may not be ready, ready, ready. You can at least have a group of really dedicated actors. And we're going to have a bunch of actors from Playground uh, on our next, I think most of January, we'll have a bunch of uh, actors from Playground. Uh, I don't have their lists uh, I don't have the list right now but uh, it's a testament to how wonderful playground has been for actors for writers for creatives and you know the foundation is you Jim so let's get into an origin story how did you get involved in theater and uh, where were you born and raised
1: sure uh, so born in Columbus Ohio but but uh, as grew up in New York uh, my, my dad was working um, uh, head of the hospital uh, pharmacy um, at Montefiore. And so I grew up in uh, town, Ossining, probably better known for its prison, Sing Sing. Um, so when they say go, you know, send them up the river, that was up the Hudson, which is where Ossining is. And um, I uh, loved, loved my my school experience. Um, I loved the arts. My mom gave me a lot of exposure um, and, and also exposure to... I think being open to the magic of possibility, um, uh, of not knowing necessarily what, what would happen, you know, next. Um, uh, one of one of my great stories is my mom uh, would take me into New York, and I felt sometimes dragged around as a as a as a kid, you know, not not sort of knowing why we were going, where we were going. And she got us on the Staten Island ferry, and we get you know on the ferry go across to Staten Island, and then instead of getting off. She basically says, no, no, you you know, the great thing about this is you buy one ticket and you get to go round trip as long as you don't get off and then have to come back on. So we stay on on the ferry and I'm like, what are we doing? And then all of a sudden the captain uh, opens the door and there's this little kid probably about five years old and he lets him into the bridge. This is obviously pre 9-11 mm-hmm. and, and he sees me and my mom's just standing there and he says, come on in. And so we go back into the bridge. and then, as the ferry takes off and starts going back to Manhattan, um, you know the the captain basically says, "Hey, why don't you come over here?" And he lets me basically hold the wheel and and basically sort of steer it straight across and says, "You know, like, just hold it steady." and And so I have this memory of actually being open to the experience of going on the Staten Island ferry and actually getting to steer it across uh across the harbor you know no
2: they don't get to do that anymore and they
1: and they don't they don't get to do that and they shouldn't do that but but uh but I, I credit my mom for sort of reminding me that that you know you have to be open to possibilities open to the creative uh opportunities and um and so i've tried to sort of be you know let that sort of guide me in my life um and do you have any siblings do you have any siblings i have i have two older brothers um uh, uh one who's who's now in stanford connecticut an architect and uh another in chicago who is uh in uh, tech and sales um so and- you're the only artist huh i'm i'm well you know I- i'm the only one practicing the art is is, is, is i guess the, the reality um but but definitely art was a part of my family growing up and um I was a musician. Um, I loved the theater, but I didn't really get into theater until college. Um, I started uh, the first improvisational theater troupe at Brown, um, and that was uh, was a pretty formative experience for me. And um, and then when I when I got out of college, it was another recession, unfortunately. You know, I've lived through a bunch of them, but um, I was not able to find uh, a job easily when I first got out of school, but I ended up interviewing and getting a position with the New York Philharmonic, and, um, and I, it was my first real arts administration job, and um, I, I loved working for the Philharmonic. Uh, I was only there for one year, but it ultimately was probably the, the thing that helped me get into the Yale school of drama which i applied to uh uh, a year later yeah and when
0: you mentioned the depression i'm guessing it's the late 80s 87 i remember because i was in new york in in fall of 87 and that was when the stocks i think it was a computer error or whatever something happened and so i'm guessing that was that was the time
1: exactly i graduated in spring of 87 and that summer was that was a tough year um and then you know obviously we had the 2008 one actually if I remember correctly, there was the recession 87, there was another tough period in 92, which was when I got out of grad school. And then the next big one was obviously 2008. So I, I remember a few where it made it a little more challenging to find work, um, but yeah. So for me, you know, theater was part of my experience, but the real, uh, the real transform, uh, transformative experience was going to the Yale School of Drama. I was there in the theater management program. That was a three-year program. And I came out of that, and I moved to the Bay Area to become the managing director for Traveling Jewish Theater, um, and and yeah, the rest kind of is history.
0: <laughs> you know, it's interesting. A lot of people, when they think of an artist or a creative, they think of someone who is on stage, you know, the actor, because that's the person that we see, or even the director, who is, you know, let's say the first person on the bill or you know on the um, the program you know you know who's directing and you know who's right. acting
2: well that's and, what i say like i bet i walked by jim oh, yeah. at the traveling jewish theater you know in a show and rehearsals and readings doing something and just sort of oh that's the guy who opened the place okay nice thanks
1: yeah i was trying to remember norman like when we first connected but like i totally remember all of our times at berkeley rep together uh, doing yeah. monday night playground and then eventually working together on the festival and all the shows you've done but I, I couldn't, you know, yeah, I, it, it's sort of like hard. I, I was aware of you, certainly as an actor, I was aware of your sort of shifting and spending more time directing. I knew that you had started the theater in Oakland. Right. Uh, and and um, yeah, but I wasn't as big in the East Bay originally. I, I was in San Francisco for many years. Uh, Playground was based in San Francisco. So I wasn't as aware of the theater going on in Oakland when you were running that. Right. Um, and but but I was very interested in getting a chance to work together and uh, but you know most of our memories are obviously now the the monday nights at berkeley rap and getting to hang out and and,
2: and uh, yeah and and now the poterval stage yeah it's now Petro
1: stage yeah
0: yeah the question i had is um why i, I guess do you, do you see yourself as a creative, as someone who it may not be on the stage, may not even be directing, although you do direct? As a matter of fact, yeah. Um,
1: well, that, that was really the drive for creating Playground. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I was enjoying working with Travengers Theater. It's an ensemble company, but that was not going to be my artistic home. And so I started uh, Playground in 94 with uh, playwright Bridget Mullins and Denise Shama, who is, uh, who is a director and a friend, and, uh, and some of the grad playwrights from uh, the San Francisco State Program, like Prince Gomovius and John Levine. And, um, and so, yeah, we started Playground with the idea that this was gonna be an opportunity for, for me to express myself artistically, to direct, but also to support artists, because I love writers, I love their storytelling ability and anything I could do to support them getting their stories out that, that, that makes me really happy. So.
0: Very, very cool. Norman, do you have any questions? I have a couple, but I don't want to dominate the. Uh...
1: No,
2: no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying again. It's, you know, the specifics of all those things that Jim is talking about um, come back to me to that larger vision that I'm, and when I started Oakland public theater, I very quickly, cause the first thing I did was hire directors. I'm like, I, I'm not trying to make this my little vanity project. Let me get some people who are already established, see if they will support my vision. And after a while, I remember hiring a director, watching a rehearsal, pulling them aside on a break and just politely kind of saying, when I read the script, I sort of felt like it went that way, and right now it feels like it's going this way. What's your, your sense of it? And they, they agreed, and I said, so, and specifically, that actress... Is going in the wrong direction. I, you know, do it, deal with it however you want to. But I, I, that's just my take. That's all I'm giving you. She walked right in off of that break and said, "Okay, let's go back to this scene." I said, "You don't want to go back. Go ahead and get through whatever else you were supposed to in this rehearsal." She's like, "No, no, let's go back to this one scene and let's try it this way." <laughs> and I sat there going, "Oh my God, I, I'm not the director, but I'm definitely that voice." So I hear that from Jim all the time: is that way where you you risk stepping on somebody's toes to get either a clearer sense of what they're trying to do and if they understand where it's not working or some opportunity the probably the word you use the most that opportunity that we're missing
1: yeah
2: and yeah. so I've always I've always wondered you know because you also deal with the headache of managing all these people
0: <laughs> yeah you know the you know it's 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 wonderful on paper when everyone has the same vision or everyone's going to the same direction or let's say everyone looks at the script if it's a particular uh, production the same way. But o- obviously a lot of times it doesn't happen that way. So here's a question for you, Jim. Are there times, let's say in Playground where – I don't know. You may have you may have one particular vision. Well, let's say someone comes in in playground and you have a lot of individuals who come in who have a completely different direction. They have a completely different vision. And you're like, oh, my goodness, what what's going on here? I mean, how do you deal with people who don't who are not on the same page as you? Well, I mean,
1: the 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 advantage of my position is that you know, I mean, you're hearing more artistic leaders sort of looking at other titles to really represent the work that they really do. And so you've got people now called like artistic facilitators, like John Tracy at Theater First. And I do think in some ways that my role is much more as a facilitator. I, I love, you know, working with exceptional artists who, who have their vision and know how to collaborate with other artists. And so, you know, I'm just, really interested in putting teams of people together. And I don't need everyone to have my vision for a project. In fact, I'm much more interested in seeing how different people will bring their own vision to the project. And sometimes it's the way I would have approached it. Sometimes it's not. Um, I I have plenty of projects that I can work on artistically. So, you know, I, I love just sort of seeing where they go with it. And you know, theater is a problem solving kind of thing. You're, it's, it's, it's not like you're gonna just do it once and get it done and, and it's perfect and you just re- reproduce it. It's not making widgets. Every play is different. Every actor in a play is gonna create a difference. You could do the same play 20 times but with 20 different casts, it's gonna be different every time. It's different sometimes from performance to performance. So, you know, you're supporting a group of people trying to figure out how to tell the story. And the only thing I can really focus on is to say, remember what we're here to do. We're here to tell the story and we're here to support this writer in telling the story the best possible way. And, and, and Playground has a little bit larger purpose. We're also trying to help develop writers and develop voices so that that one play, it's not about that play being perfect and that play being the only thing they ever create. But that play leads to hopefully the next story they want to tell and and hopefully they grow and and they will be a better storyteller next year because of the work that they did with us this year. So uh, I think I have less of of an ego in in trying to have one vision of a story and, and I don't need everyone to get on the same page with me. I think I'm really just interested in creating a way in which there are more opinions and more ways to do it. And I want to learn from that. And I want them to learn from me. And, uh, you know, I think that's the beauty of theater and collaboration. I'm having a good time doing that.
0: Yeah. And I think Playground does an excellent job. There have been so many, as a young, as a budding playwright, um, I've you know there, there are all sorts of playwright groups and there are all sorts of organizations and a lot of them are more interested in collecting money it's like well you know you have to pay the fee or you have to do this and do that right. and um you feel sort of used um or as an actor you're you know you hook up with an organization who just wants to use your talents but they're not willing to to pay you or to to give you the sort of uh infrastructure or to promote you you're basically just you know a hired bit or you know like uh, let me use you And get as much out of you as possible, but I really feel that Playground really works very well to uplift uh, people. And uh, you you mentioned um, equity. You you know, you mentioned you know uh, paying actors and uh, really making sure that financially. So, so here's a question for you: How does how does Playground work on on a business level? Um, Are are you guys making money? Um, Is it is it some is it a transition that you've had to do? How how is Playground you know, doing financially from when it first started to now?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we've always thought of ourselves as an R&D kind of organization. And, and, and R&D is, by its very nature, is mm-hmm. going to require uh, huge investment. You know, you, 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 don't, you don't make something new, completely new, and suddenly, you know, make a ton of money uh, selling, you know, tickets or, or, or licensing. That's just not the way the world works. And so we're largely supported by contributions and grants. That's, that's, it, that's been our nature from the beginning. I think if you looked at like a Berkeley Rapper and ACT, you'd probably see that pre-COVID, of course, um, about 70 plus percent of their budget is from ticket revenue, from earned revenue. And with Playground, it's the opposite. Um, about 75% of our budget is from grants and contributions from individuals and only about 25% was earned. That's actually probably gonna get lower. And and that's actually a learning process for us. COVID has sort of helped us to rethink what we are here to do and and how we generate revenue. But most of our budget was from from contributions. And and so we could really, we made it a priority from the very beginning to pay artists. and we, you know, we, we always have more work to do in that area, but, but we've tried to pay artists uh, well and fairly and, and to prioritize artist compensation. Um, we do as much as we can do with the resources we have. So you know, the idea is to pay everyone and, and then to increase our programming as you have more money. So you, know, you look at the way Playground is structured, I kind of think of it as like skeleton. You start with a program like Monday Night Playground, and we do it once a month. And some people say, well, couldn't you do Monday Night Playground once a week? Right. Like, well, you know, I'm trying to be respectful of people's time. And I'm trying to be also respectful of the resources we have. And once a month, you know, we're, we're spending maybe between three dollars and $5,000 a month, depending on whether we're at Berkeley Rep or not. And, and, and we're not generating anywhere close to that on the ticket side, um, back when we used to charge tickets. So... You know, once a month is enough because it still brings us together as a community. Everyone's getting paid for their work, and we're creating this artistic opportunity. But, but you know, and and, and there are theaters that are doing six or seven full productions a year. Well, Playground might only do two productions a year uh, because that's the what we can what that's what the resources we have available. That's what we can invest. Um, so you know, our budget right now is about half a million dollars, and it's it's coming from. A lot of different places, there's some government money, there's some foundations, there's some national foundations, some local. Um, There's a lot of individual contributions. There's a board of directors that are by no means leading the way on funding, but they're all contributing to the best of their ability. We have 14 members of the board. Um, The majority of our board are working artists, uh, which which I think makes our organization unique. Um, our board is 50% BIPOC, 50% uh, women, um, and, and as I said, it's about, you know, probably 60, 70% working artists. Um, but everyone contributes, and that's the key, is that we're all committed to what we're doing. We want to make sure that artists are paid. If we feel that we have the opportunity, the privilege, we've got resources, let's put some money in um, and make sure more people can get paid to do the work. Um one of the big changes for Playground is that during COVID, we realized that as we shifted online, we were not gonna be able to charge uh, what we were charging um, in, in uh, live performances for the online content. And in fact, more of that content we realized needed to be free. And so we, we, we made all of our Monday night performances admission free, we, we made our innovator uh, showcase this year free. We invite people to make donations, but as a result of that, we've increased accessibility. We've increased the opportunity for people to experience the art. Sometimes the artists that we'll work with um, down the road are people who started out as our audience. So we're actually excited to increase accessibility for the future artists by, by inviting them in today as our audience. And I think that's, that's something that we wanna make sure is part of our future that we don't want accessibility to be something that we did only during the COVID crisis, but we need to make sure that's a priority going down the road. So we're looking now at how to make sure that even when we get back into the live theater, how can we make sure that people can't get to the theater, can still experience this art. Maybe that means broadcasting all of our programming, um, figuring out how to do it in a professional way so it doesn't look amateur. Um, Making sure that even if you're in the theater, maybe that is still admission free Maybe there is a constant pay what you can um, looking at who doesn't have access to theater and how we can bring that theater to, to them. So we've got a lot more work to do, but, but, um, but I I think, yeah, from a financial point of view, there's going to be additional challenges because if we are reducing our, our earned revenue even further uh, that's going to put more pressure on raising more money. Um, But I do think that that's going to have to be a priority is that we're, Providing a service, and we're serving not only artists but audiences, and we're going to have to really focus on making sure that we um, invite everyone to support it, to invest and contribute, so that we can uh, continue making this art available for everyone.
0: Yeah, no, you know, when you mentioned that, eight thousand households have uh, viewed uh, a playground performance. That's just fantastic, and you know, in via Zoom. And also, one one aspect of Playground, it provides a venue for, let's say, there may be a new actor or a new director or a new writer, um, and there's no other companies. There are very few other companies that will allow a new artist to have their work showcased or to have an audience come see their work. And Playground is the perfect place for that. I want to ask you a question, Norman. uh, As a director, what is Playground? Because you've worked with Playground a bunch of times. How's, how's it meant for you to work and play around as a director?
2: Uh, well, I was, and it's funny, I was going to go back to Jim's statement about two words, respect and resources, respecting the resources, respecting people's time. Um, and it's one of the reasons I joined equity is because there were all these rules and that meant we had to take a break, you know, and at the end of the evening, if we didn't get through whatever had been put on the schedule when it's time to go, you don't just assume that people have the time to sit there and continue working. You respect people's time. Um, so, I love these organizations in the Bay Area, like Playground, that that are committed to that. That's like that's a base. They're they're not they're not striving to get there. That's where they're starting from. And what I've learned as a director is. If I go into the process with that same attitude, I cannot waste people's time. I need to be prepared. If I'm not prepared, then I need to put the time in away from rehearsal, not waste these people's time. And with Monday Night Playground, where the challenge is you've got one rehearsal and you've got to get it up. Um, Again, I had to learn how to think quickly. But I also had to recognize that part of that time, time management is recognizing how do you communicate with people. So the human side of it. And it it didn't take me long to make the adjustment, but I found myself, like, I know that I come in and I've got a list. I need to get through this. And I love it. In the last year, I've had a couple of times where we finished rehearsal. We've got more than 15 minutes. Hey, actually, that's enough time for us to run this. Let's run it. Um, and that's different from, say, more than, you know, 15 years ago where... I'm running out of time. We're not going to get to the end. I remember the first time I did a playground where we only got one run-through and then we fixed some stuff and then we didn't get another run-through. And I was so like, oh my God, this is going to be horrible. No! The actors checked in with anybody who needed to be checked in with and when they got on stage, it came to life. And I started relaxing and appreciating that collaborative part of the form. The thing I've added in most recently is Again, I don't have time to do all this, so I will check in with the playwright to say, you have this stage direction that A, we can't possibly accomplish, and B, in this format, it is not going to do what you want it to do in terms of telling stories. So my tendency is to say, I just want to cut it. Do you have a different suggestion? And to allow the playwright to be more active in that role, because what was happening my first couple of years directing for Playground. Was and it was the most. It was the po- most polite way I've ever heard somebody say that you just sort of ran over me. The playwright was like, "So Norman didn't really do all the stage directions, but it really worked." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
0: Um Jim. Here's a question for you because you bring in, you know, playground. You're bringing in a lot of new individuals. Um, I think the actors are standard. I think you have a group of actors who you can pull and bring to, you know, to to working. Like um, I think of yeah, Melissa Haynes. Fun. Is Melissa Haynes or Melissa Ortiz?
1: Melissa Ortiz also he, goes he is by. not. Him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. She. She's excellent. She'll be one of our guests. I think she'll be our next guest. Oh, yay. Um, yeah, but you have her, and you have a, a bunch of others who. Uh, I I take it are, I mean, this is my, you know, when I submitted my piece, this was my first time working with the actors, but I take it these are individuals that you can regularly pull with. Um, But you do bring in new writers. I think you bring in new directors. Um, Is there a sort of orientation where you sort of let people know, hey, listen, this is how Playground works. Maybe that's a good question. How, um, can you explain to people who have never heard from a Playground, how, how it works? how people can submit their works in or how as an actor you can come in just someone who just walks into playground for the first time what is the um i guess the you know what just explain what is playground
1: sure sure and and, and the truth is that there there are opportunities in every event we do and every year for new actors as well as directors and players i mean we've we've really tried to open up our programs and i would say in every season I'm seeing easily, you know, at least twenty percent new actors that I've never worked with before, and that's really amazing. If that's a testament to Annie Stewart, um, who's been casting for Playground since back in 1998, um, you know, over two decades. Um, so Playground has a number of different programs, but our entry-level program is is the Monday Night Playground Series, which is a short play stage reading series, and we invite writers from each community. In Los Angeles, you have to be in the LA community, in the Bay Area, anywhere in the nine counties. And we invite writers who want to participate for the year to apply. And we select by application, by the short script as a sample of their writing, we select 36 um, diverse writers. and, uh, And those writers are a mixture of early, you know, all generally early career, but a mixture of first time writers with us Uh, writers who've been with us a few years, but maybe haven't necessarily had a lot of work selected, and then writers who maybe are more veteran and, and are getting regularly selected and produced. And we have these 36 writers that are what we call the writer's pool. And then each month, we give out a prompt, and those writers are invited to write an original short play, maximum 10 pages, inspired by that prompt. And then we have a committee in both Los Angeles and and the Bay Area made up of directors and dramaturgs and producers who help select the top six plays each month. And those plays are rehearsed on the day of the event and and are put put together as a script-in-hand stage reading. Now, when we were pre-COVID, we were producing that work in theater, uh, Berkeley Rep for the Bay Area and Broadwater Theaters in Los Angeles. Since, uh, since COVID, we are now all doing this online, and we're going to be online at least through the fall of 2021. Um, and that's actually opened things up a little bit because we are now able to work with directors and actors who aren't necessarily limited to the jurisdiction where we are, are based. So we're actually involving actors from Playground who are now in New York, yeah. Uh, in Washington, in, in Arizona. Um, and, and so, you know, these are people I know through Playground over time. Sometimes I'm getting to know new people. Um, I do a reading with someone and then we bring them back to do another Monday night. Uh, but Monday Night Playground is our intro program and it's where we get to know writers. You get to write these plays every month. And even if you're not picked for Monday Night Playground, we do something called recess where every writer can have their script read by professional actors. And Melissa Ortiz has participated in this a lot where we bring uh, four actors together and we do cold readings of the scripts that didn't get picked so that everyone gets a chance to hear it aloud and get feedback. Um, But we're largely trying to cultivate um, a sort of self-awareness among writers where they can begin to figure out what works and doesn't work. And it doesn't mean that you have to have someone tell them how to fix it. They can learn just by hearing it aloud and hearing how people respond to the work. And so that's a large part of what we do as directors too, um, is just trying to get it on its feet so that the writers can learn from from the experience. And, And it's not about saying, oh, yeah, you might want to change that. Sometimes I might say that, but I also want to give the writer the opportunity to see that here's their vision, here's what they wrote, and I put it up exactly as they wrote it. And then they can sort of figure out next time what they might do differently.
2: I feel like uh, Playground has more space uh, than some other playwright you know, organizations that focus on playwriting. Um, I feel like I feel like there have become these labels, like uh, what was the one emerging um, playwright? And you know, like Rich is constantly trying to find a word to say new playwright, but you're talking about somebody who's not young. <laughs> But they are new to playwriting. I wonder if you if you have a convenient label for that kind of place.
1: <laughs> I mean, the terms have changed, right? I mean, I, you know, when we started, we were using the term emerging, and everyone was pretty comfortable. In fact, the uh, the sort of signature showcase for Playground is the end of year festival of ten minute plays, which we used to call the Emerging Playwrights Festival, uh-huh. and and uh, and we eventually dispensed with that because the term emerging was starting to get some pushback. It was like, what happens if you're an emerging writer and you're stuck being an emerging writer for two decades and no one gives you a chance to launch? Right. Um, what happens if you emerge and then you fall back and, and no one's producing your work after you've already hit like you know the peak? Um, and so we started shifting to terms like early career. And I have early career writers working nice. at the playground who are in their 70s and early career playwrights who are in their in their 20s. Right. Um, it's not an age-based term. Um, and, the, and then, of course, you have the fact that uh, an organization doesn't have to necessarily stop working with someone just because they emerge or they're no longer early career. I mean, right. where, do, where does a writer like Garrett Grunveld fit? Yeah, Who's been with Playground for two decades and has had a number of successes. Playwriting is not his full-time job. And sure. so he can't dedicate the kind of energy that that a full-time playwright can. And so that's a slower journey. And he still needs support over the course of his career. And so I would say, you know, Garrett is probably certainly more of a mid, mid-career playwright. Mm-hmm. But I still think there's a place for an incubator to support a writer like Garrett. Because we can still find new opportunities to work together. new New challenges. Places where Garrett... Could, could benefit from the support that we offer and where he can help us grow as a company. And so like we just did Garrett's play Disbelief last spring and more people probably saw Disbelief than saw some of his previous work because it was it was digitally broadcast. Right. And um, it was a beautiful play that I think Garrett might not have been able to write 15, 20 years ago. And I'm mm. glad that we were together to support that play today. Um, But my goal is always to introduce these artists to other theaters with the hope that they'll start producing these theater, these writers and, and, and helping them, you know, grow further. Uh, Look at like a writer like Aaron Loeb, who started with Playground and had some of his biggest successes with SF Playhouse with some of the plays that we've commissioned and and has moved further, uh, you know, on after that, or Lauren Yee. Who oh, yeah. uh, who had early work done in the Bay Area with uh, groups like uh, Impact Theater, and then Playground had a chance to collaborate with Lauren um, over over a few years and um, commissioned to several of her works and got one of those works produced. Um, you know we we want to be part of the writer's journey. Sometimes those writers spend only a little bit of time with us and they move on. Sometimes they spend a couple of decades with us, and I think that the key is. We know that there's a lot of institutions where you don't get to sort of build a real home. And I think with playground, the goal is you're always welcome. You know, think of a good, uh, of of what a home really means to all of us. Home is a place that we sometimes want to grow from. We want to leave. Right. We also want to know that we're welcome to come back. We also want to know that we're welcome to take control of it and make it our own home. It's not just our parents' home. It's our home. Right. So, you know, what does it mean for Stephanie Prentice to have uh, a theatrical home? What does it mean for uh, you know, Rob Dario or, or Genevieve Jesse to have a home or, 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 or Norman or, or me to have a home? We wanna be able to make that home in our own vision and to work with other people. But we also know that sometimes we need to leave home. And so you know, I think that's what Playground tries to represent is a place you can sort of go from and come back to um, over and over again.
2: Yeah, I feel like you built a, a wonderful framework for that. And I, I, to touch on one other thing that I w- t- started to talk about earlier, that notion of respect and resource, that um, the cadre of actors are, it's great. Yeah, you couldn't get these people every week. You really couldn't. A lot of them you could not. And it's wonderful to, to go, well, wait a minute, where's Adrian Dean? Oh, Adrian Dean is in a show. So we're not going to see Adrian Dean this okay. month. But two months from now, when her show is done, she's going to be hungry and happy to come back. And to see that mix of talent on the stages around the Bay Area and to feel like they do feel welcome to come back to Playground, that they enjoy it. You know, the biggest thing that I think we've lost in COVID is that all that energy, that time of all reconnecting before we start our rehearsals, and then afterwards getting to hang And just appreciate hey not just appreciate what you did today but i saw you in that show last month or last year even and i'm so thrilled to get to actually connect with you we don't get enough uh, we don't have enough of that in the bay area i think
1: yeah absolutely i mean we're, we're definitely pushing for the pleasure that we get from working together um there are a lot of kinds of work that you don't have to spend as much time with so many different kinds of people and i think that you know if you're not into that kind of collaboration then don't do theater but if you are theater theater is pretty amazing and unique in in how it brings us together
0: yeah even the happy hour that you have the digital happy hour the virtual happy hour like on every friday where people just gather together and just talk i mean you know it's not just building a, a you know production but it's also building a community yeah. also one thing that you had there were two things i want to bring up number one uh, the Playground also has a collaboration with. I think I can't remember the organization, but playwrights who submit their work to Playground they can also submit their work to an online organization. I think it's a national organization. Is that correct? Um, trying to think which which one this is. Are because uh, you had sent a link, and I'm trying to. I, I think it's a, um, sort of it's a, it's an online website that can submit works. Oh.
1: Well, so, I mean, there's there's a number of uh, amazing resources, and, and we, we try to sort of keep aware of, of how we can support writers and, and the community. One of those is the National New Play Network, which- Bingo, really, that's
0: what that's what I was yeah. thinking about. So
1: we joined NNPN, I don't know, half a dozen or so years ago, maybe more now, and we're an associate member. It's interesting. I mean, a, a testament to the Bay Area and its commitment to new work, there are more- members in the Bay Area of NNPN, more core members and associate members than probably any other region in the country. Um, you've got Magic Theater, Marin Theater Company, Golden Thread, Playground, uh, Central Works. Uh, I, you can go on and on, uh, but there's so many organizations that are uh, Magic Theater, I mentioned. But, um, and so one of the tools that NNPN came up with um, a number of years ago is something called the New Play Exchange. It's a digital database that um, allows writers to create profile and to list their plays, to even put samples, either the full digital script or excerpt, and they can actually put down like past breakdown and then it allows for other artists to comment on those plays, to create playlists, to say, here are my favorite 10 minute plays or here are my favorite plays by black authors. Um, And you can curate your playlist, you can comment on different writers, you can share it easily. And, um, and I would absolutely say if you're a a writer in in the US, you should absolutely be on the new play exchange. In fact, I'm not sure it's even limited to US but, but it's an incredible resource for certainly early career writers, and even more established um, to share their work and to be visible
0: yeah yeah and I in the minute when you told me about it and I, I never knew anything about it until you know I joined Playground and I've submitted some work as well and I think all budding playwrights should do that definitely like, very cool yeah also the second question that I had you had mentioned a little bit about I really believe that theater is sort of emerging I mean you know we live in an age of YouTube and Facebook and uh well I guess digital media you know video being uploaded and you had mentioned that perhaps do you think that Playground will sort of Evolve into not just presenting theater on the stage, but also having cameras involved so that we can broadcast uh, works. Yeah, do you no, think we're... that's in the way of the future?
1: I absolutely do. Um, we're we're actually in the in the uh, middle right now of a, a planned renovation for Petrero Stage. It was it was scheduled before COVID, and it was slowed down a little bit because of COVID. But we're looking at um, doing a few upgrades to the equipment to the signage. And one of the uh, things that we're gonna be bringing in is uh, some cameras for, uh, for Wi Fi broadcast, some high definition um, camera work. It's still going to be done in a way where we're not trying to create a television studio um, or a film set, but we're trying to create a way to share the live theater experience for people who can't get to the theater space. Mm-hmm. And um, our goal right now is to have that ready to go by the, um, the fall of 2021, when we're supposed to return, hopefully, to the to the theater for in-person activity. So we're definitely looking at making that um, a regular part of, of Playgrounds work, and we're hoping to offer that to all of the theater companies that use Potrero Stage, like Crowded Fire and Golden Thread and Flairs Foundation. Um, hopefully, it's a way to expand our, our reach to ensure that, you know, instead of just the the roughly 90 some odd people that can normally sit at Petrero stage uh, for a performance that we can reach more people. It might also then be a way to further leverage the use of artist time. I mean, Think about the fact that for a small theater, we typically have to run a show for five or six weeks in order to reach the kind of audience that maybe Berkeley rep can reach in a single week. And if we're able to broadcast that work, we might be able to, in in one week's time, use a 99 seat theater and reach as many people as a much larger theater. So um, and we can also reach people from all over the country. Um, and particularly when we're trying to support new voices, I think that's even more um, more imperative that we're tr- looking at how to share the stories outside of the Bay Area, share those stories with other theater producers around the country who probably can't fly to San Francisco to see the work that we're doing. So not just sharing a script but sharing the the live stream so we're we're definitely really excited about that possibility coming online in the next uh, six or so months
0: no that's going to be really really exciting for for an actor and also uh, you know you know imagine a writer saying wow not only can i have my piece done on playground but also it can be broadcast and i can have you know something digital and and as an actor, that's very exciting as well. And I really think that that's sort of the way we talked to um, um, the guy at Tabbert Theater. Williams. Oh, uh, John, John-, John Williams. Yeah. And they, they've done that. They've brought in uh, cameras. Uh, they, uh, I think. Well, they've they
2: gone Well, have- I mean, three cameras. They've gone, they've gone there. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. Yeah. But, okay. but, I, but I really think that more theaters will do that. And, you know, uh, you know, if I were an actor and I know that not only can a, an audience member see my performance, but also it could be broadcast you know, that I would be on cloud nine. Um, we've hit the one hour mark. I guess the one last question, Jim, where do you see yourself in the future? Where do you see Playground in the future?
1: Yeah, so uh, I mean, for me personally, I'm, I'm having the time of my life. It's certainly been some of the most challenging work that I've ever done. Um, I've only been, even though I've, I'm a co-founder of Playground and we're just now in our 27th year, um, I've only been full-time with Playground for uh, the last uh, nine years, so I haven't even had uh, a decade yet to, to do this kind of work. Um, and it's been um, expansive for me. I mean, I'm, I'm getting to do different work every day, working with different artists, different kind of projects, new challenges, the theater, uh, getting the theater online, figuring out how to make it a, a more uh, accessible resource. Um, that's been a challenge for me and I'm looking forward to doing more of that work. I, I, continue to enjoy directing, um, and, um, I've done a little bit of writing or more of co-writing, but I'm not, uh, principally a writer and I don't see that changing in, in, in the near
0: future. Oh, I would love to see a Jim Kleiman work. What, what would that be? <laughs> would, would it be, would it be comedy? Well, would it be tragedy? Would it be political theater? What would it be?
1: Probably a little of everything. Yeah, you know, that's the problem is I have trouble focusing on just one thing, <laughs> but, um, and then I think for playground, um, you know, I think that what I see the, the future is more, more of the same, really, is building up the resource. Uh, we've got Potrero Stage right now. My dream is that we would have more than one venue, that we could offer that resource to the theater community. We're, we're trying to shift from just supporting individual artists to supporting young theater companies, groups of artists that get to self-determine, figure out the kind of art they want to make. You know, if, if I've been doing this now for over 20 years, what what would I like you know the next generation of artists to have access to? So um, you know I'm definitely uh, starting to open that up um, and uh, you know and, and I also think that uh, you know just building a bigger tent um, and and figuring out ways to um, you know to sort of keep pushing the boundaries of what art is and how we make it and how we share it um, is is really the challenge for, for me and for Playground. Um, so I'm looking forward to what uh, the, the 20s will bring in that regard.
0: No, it's awesome. I mean, you know, Playground has been around since 93. There are not a lot of theater companies that can say that. Um, and it's just growing. It's just continuing to grow. So I really hope. And once again, it's a fantastic venue for actors and and writers and directors and creatives. I think, uh, you know, you and all of your staff at Playground has done an amazing, amazing job. Right. With that said, um, shout-outs, birthdays. Birthdays.
2: Well, we're catching up since we took a little time off. Um, So uh, today is actually Jane Wenger's birthday. She's a director. I met her when I was with the Bay Area Playwrights Festival uh, Foundation. I um, started off as an actor, ended up on their selection committee, and then ended up back as an actor with them. Um, And Jane was running things when I first uh, got involved, so it was neat to also see somebody go from that position back to becoming a director. I was like, oh, you can go. <laughs> you, it's, not, uh, it's not a, you know, you're not being demoted. <laughs> um, Shonda Ja is a pastor here in Oakland, and I keep, her, I put her on the list because she got in touch with me about Oakland Public Theater at one point. I think I'd said something in an interview about we were not having a home. And so she tried to offer me the space they had. It was an old, like, 1920s basement theater with literal footlights. And I, and none of it had been taken care of. And I was like, I, I don't have the money for this. This would, yeah, I can't do it. Brian yates Charber, um, his birthday, so those, yeah, those three. Brian yates Sharber is another um, African-American actor, amazing singer. I haven't seen him do anything in a while, and I'd love to. Uh, those three are birthdays today. Um, birthdays that have just gone past, I just have a couple. Uh, Joanne Winter uh, runs Word for Word. Uh, she's co... I'm not sure what the title is they have, but she and uh, Susan run that. Uh, David Fissel, somebody I went to high school with. And uh, when I did my first musical, Carnival, he was in it and um, watched him do stuff throughout my our theater careers. I mean, our high school careers. I went on to theater. He, he's he gone into nursing, so he actually got his COVID test, I I mean, not test. um, Vaccine. Vaccine. He's gotten gotten shot one and he's scheduled for shot two. Uh, Tony Kelly, his birthday was, I believe, yesterday. Um, happy
1: birthday, Tony.
2: Yeah, Tony Kelly was running Thick Description, uh, helped to build out the Thick House, and is now trying to fulfill some political aspirations. And every time, I don't live in San Francisco, but every time I hear Tony's working on something, I try to get the word out. Um, Desdemona Chang is somebody I haven't seen in literally 20 years, but she was the assistant stage manager on a show I did at Theater Works, and I've just watched her career on Facebook as she continues to work all over. Um, Javier Reyes is, um, actor, director, um, he does a lot of work writing with youth, and we met through Each One Reach One in Juvie, so he's one of the few people I love it when people say, how'd you guys meet? Oh, yeah, in Juvi, right? Mm-hmm. We were in Juvie. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think he runs Colored Ink. I think that's the company that he yeah, does. Yeah, that is yeah. his
2: company. Mm-hmm. Um, Armando McLean, who we've had on the A, um, and was probably the first time I worked with a young person. He was, a, he was like a backstage intern and an understudy in a play that I directed with Oakland Public Theater. And then he is now in New York. <laughs> he was up in Ashland right before COVID shut everything down. Ah. I, I, it makes me feel old and proud and jealous, but it, his birthday's coming up this week. Um, our tech guy, the guy that I was talking about earlier with um, Playground, uh, Colin Johnson's birthday's coming up this week. Uh, Richard Reinholdt um, is somebody I worked with at Shotgun, wonderful stalwart of Shotgun at least back in the day. Uh, Dave Garrett also works with Shotgun, but I know him also through Each One Reach One. And the last one I have is Lisa Horry-Garcia, wonderful actress in the Bay Area, teacher, director. Um, She's actually a writer, too, I believe. She's created some of her own pieces. Those are who I've got. Right.
0: all righty and uh you took a couple of mine well of ours uh, a lot of the folks have been on the yay uh two days ago michael thomas tower uh the very first job that i had a theater job in the bay area there was a company called bay stage and michael thomas tower was a a writer and a sort of a producer and uh, we did three plays before you know i guess the money ran out and that was it but you know we it was a short but sweet moment that we had creating plays. Um, I think it was Water Buffalo and uh, Tinker's Nebula. We rent out the uh, the CCCT the. Um, oh, wow. Any- yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is a long time ago. This is like back in 99 or uh, 2000. Yeah. But in any case, Michael Tower, I believe he's in San Diego. And so I want to wish uh, Michael uh, happy birthday. His birthday was two days ago. Uh, Lynn Aylward, we had her on. She's a uh, budding, she's a uh, playwright, and she's had her work uh, done several places. And we've had her on the A. Her birthday is was uh, two days ago. Um, you mentioned Javier Reyes uh, also on Monday. Krista Caseras, uh, formerly Krista Rivers, um, she is an old Ellingtonite. I went to Duke Ellington School oh, of the Arts, and she was one who graduated with me. I think she graduated a year after me. And she was in Do the Right Thing, the Spike Lee joint. And so nice. I wish uh, ha- uh, Krista a happy birthday. You mentioned Armando on Monday. He, his birthday will be on Monday. Also on yep. Monday, Jonathan Levy, he directed me. Uh, we did, uh, this, was bi- this would have been Musical Cafe, uh, The Chain. Oh, okay. And I acted with his uh, husband. And so, you know, he got to direct his husband. And, um, it, you know, one of the things that we're going to do for the A on February, we're going to have sort of a love edition where we're going to have couples who have gotten together in theater and, you know, and fallen into love. And that's you going to be You may want special. Melissa
2: and Christian.
0: <laughs> hey, we'll invite them. Although we, we're we kind of booked. I mean, we, I've already got, you know, three uh, couples But uh, who knows? Maybe we'll do a double-double. But in any case, Jonathan Levy, uh, he and his husband, they met through theater. And so I want to wish Jonathan a happy birthday on Monday. Also, uh, Tuesday, I don't know if you mentioned Sean J. West.
2: I didn't. I left it for you.
0: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Sean J. is a, a fantastic actor and director. I'm not sure what he's doing these days, but we've had him on twice. And so his birthday is on Tuesday. On Wednesday, a wonderful young actress, Emma Mercier, uh, I acted with her we did 110 in the shade at the Douglas Morrison Theater and so her birthday is on Wednesday. Uh let's see I think I've one uh there's Dave Jarrett. you mentioned him. Uh also Saturday Craig Dickerson a friend of ours. Um, I, I was saving that
2: for next week.
0: <laughs> uh yeah so his birthday will be uh Saturday that'll be next week the 9th. And that's it those are uh, my birthdays. Yeah
2: and, and I he, don't I don't I once Thomas Simpson gives me a, a date, I'll be able to say, we're doing this separate solo thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Will there be a playground? Jim, do you want to uh, uh, advertise anything? Oh, white any?
2: uh, dove. No, yes. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. So yeah, yeah we're, start, the we're,
1: we're starting the next, uh, see, uh, the, the new season of Monday Night Playground. Uh, we've got January 11th with our Los Angeles and January 18th, which will be our Bay Area round. And the scripts are being curated right now and we should have announcements out in the next week
0: what's the theme if you don't mind the me theme asking was reunification got Ooh. it Nice.
1: yeah that's, that's a that's, challenging one
0: <laughs> there you go jim i hope you had a good time being on the I A. I
1: did i really appreciate getting a chance to chat with both of you i've been admiring your work for quite a while and uh, love working with you both in different capacities as artists so this is a lot of fun
0: yeah, and it was a lot of fun. And I uh, had on my radar, there are always people that I'm like, man, I got to get them on the A. I got to get them on the A. Right. And finally, when it happens, I, it's like, great, it's off my bucket list. So that's fantastic. <laughs> Great uh,
2: our, the year.
0: yeah yeah especially when it's raining you know what what better thing to do than to you know have a great conversation via online Absolutely. any case um for those who are watching us on youtube please like and subscribe and tell us what you like and what you don't like uh put up you know leave some comments uh give us a thumbs up as as all the youtubers will say and thank you for uh viewing us for those who are listening to us on the podcast app you can listen to us on all podcast apps we're on the apple podcast app that little purple app that you see on your iPhones and iPads. We're also on Spotify, and we're also on the iTunes app. If you're on SoundCloud, if you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app, or you can go on SoundCloud.com and you'll find us. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. I'm at Reg Space Clay.
2: And I'm at who's your Hoosier.
0: Hoosier. Jim, is there a way that people can directly connect to you?
1: Yeah, they can connect to me at playground-sf.org. And my email is jim at playground.
0: Okay. You don't do the social media stuff?
1: Well, everything through Facebook and, and, and Twitter is the playground. So yeah, at playgroundsf.
0: All right. And we'll put a link there, especially the, the website. Um, I think it's uh, playground-sf.org. Uh, Did I get...
1: yeah well for facebook it's just you can just do uh, playground sf and for twitter as well and for instagram it's playground sf theater
0: awesome and we'll have all those links uh when we post this that's it thank you so much gentlemen and as norman and i always say we, we gotta find a better, better sign stuff. off and we are out have a wonderful beginning of 2021 and um we'll see you next time